Welcome back to another episode of the Front Page Football Podcast. And Matt Olson is joining me tonight because for the first part, the first part of this podcast, because the Socceroos are back to take on Ecuador in a two-game series. Everyone's pumped, including me. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. But uh, first of all, Matt, uh, you're in a pretty good mood. You had a good day at work, and uh, now you got your Socceroos kit on. I mean, it's not, yeah. not not too bad. Everything's 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 going well. Doing what I can to make money in my daily life and taking the passions that I have for the Socceroos. Hopefully, not crying this time. Look, I know we've had yeah. some emotional legs yeah. the last few times we've spoken about the Socceroos. Let's keep it down on the on the down low. Don't cry this time around. Don't cry. Mm. All right, let's move on. Um, so what I wanted to so something I've been thinking about the last few days, and I want to kind of have a bit of a discussion around this because um it's just something, even just like looking through the soccer social media this week and, and just mm. the, the talk around the Socceroos, it just feels like more than ever, more than ever, that the disparity between interest in the Socceroos and interest in the A-League has never been greater. That's just, and I don't know if I'm looking too much into this. I don't know. Am I wrong? I don't, I don't know. It just general vibes. It feels like there's a massive disparity. And I wanted to talk about this first before we get into obviously talking about Socceroos and, and the on-pitch stuff. So, I mean, I'll throw it to you. What, what do you, what do you think about that? Do you think, do you think I'm, I'm losing my mind here? Or do you think I'm maybe onto something? For an initial talking point, I think I understand where you're coming from in that the Socceroos had one of the best runs ever at a FIFA World Cup, which I think we still need to all kind of take a moment to kind of shiver to ourselves. You know, I, I open up a game of FIFA 23. Mm. I see the Qatar World Cup in there. I play the occasional 1-0 win against Denmark, and I still get the chills, you know. How did we do it? But, Mitch, um, Mitch Duke still watches his goal back all the Mitch time. He Duke said that will the absolutely week, yeah. still be watching his goal back, yeah. And there was there was a lot of that in his um, midweek uh, press release, wasn't yeah. there? But. Yeah, look, I think I think the issue is that the A-League in the independent era hasn't had the impact that we want it to have. Mm-hmm. And as a result, you know, people are connecting more and more with the Socceroos and who they are um, and are connecting, you know, on a mediocre kind of level with the A-League. But I think, look, the one thing that we always must respect is that the Socceroos are always going to have a really, really bright uh, sort of, sorry, what am I trying to say? wider kind of uh, broadening sense about who they are as a national team um, for the pure fact that they are one of only what I would consider to be three national teams that can actually get the country together to watch a match, the other being the Australian national cricket team and the Wallabies, who people only really care about at World Cup time anyway. So, yeah, the Socceroos have that really wide kind of approach and the A-League is still very much in its niche in that way. So one thing that you say is, yeah, okay, the Socceroos are far, 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 far more popular, but that's always kind of been the case as well. And I think that um, we'd be harsh on the A-League in its current state to beat on it even more when we know that the A-League is kind of going through a tough period anyway. But, and just the other thing as well. So I was, I was watching the um, Graham Alden and Harry Suter had, had a press conference mm-hmm. today, a joint press conference. And um, even Arnie's like, is this is positive? It's as positive as he's ever been. I feel in his career. I mean, I like he's cracking jokes every two minutes. It's kind of like, well, what's going on here? <laughs> like, you know, well, it's um, almost like he just made the round of sixteen at a World Cup. Well, well, unexpectedly. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is almost like that just happened. That is true, and it's almost like he just got a contract extension for another four years, and he's quite secure in his job. That that's also true. But it, it's just you know, we come on, we know what Arnie's like. We know we know how. Um, I guess demonstrative and and kind of um, cynical, ruthless he can be at times. Yep. So to see him kind of cracking jokes with Harry Suter, and it's just kind of like, wow, this is <laughs> this is different. Um, but 
the, but that's kind of what they wanted to get into is kind of like the, there's just this positive vibe which is constantly emanating from this team, which which is obviously understandable for the results. I understand it, but um, you know, we're still what are we? Um, what four months? No, three months removed from from what happened uh, in Qatar still. So and and these guys still haven't played you know in quite a while. So you know, they, and for them to come back into camp and it looks like you know, they just kind of picked up where they left off, which is fantastic. There's that sense of unity, which which I can really see. Even something as small as Martin Boyle has actually joined the boys for for the camp to continue his recovery from injury. I mean, that's stuff like that's great as well. Yeah, exactly. On a, on a molecular level, you're witnessing you're witnessing molecular level. Every, yes, yes, that's right. Um you're you're witnessing every kind of net positive that you can for who this for who this team are and what their expectations are as well. And I think what's particularly intriguing is that we're up at a period where, you know, we're about to face an opponent that I think on paper are really, really intriguing to face. And another thing totally is, agree. I don't see this team for the foreseeable future going on the road and having a really tough road trip for a while. And it means that we're probably going to see a very, very positive vibe on the Socceroos and who they are for a long while, because this team are going to churn out results that are respectable more and more as well. So if you're Graham Arnold, you're probably sitting there laughing, to be honest. You're probably sitting there thinking, there's nothing in the next... You well, know, well he, two... he is sitting there and laughing, because that's what yeah. I just wanted to do half the press conference Well, today. yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, for the next two, two and a half to three years... Are this team going to be challenged in 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 any way until until sort of the back end of 2025 when we're trying to qualify for a World Cup? I mean, like, but it's you know, the you know what's incredible job in the world is it not? Yeah, yeah, true. But you know what's incredible is that this game tomorrow is actually um, going to mark, or today by the time the podcast goes up, is actually going to mark a year to the date since the two 0 defeat at home to Japan in qualifying, which is just a like crazy, incredible. <laughs> like you know who, who could have predicted that basically the the lowest moment of the graham arnold era is now being you know replaced here with with like the the dawning of this you know continuation of what's been what's been a fantastic few months i mean that's that's just bizarre how that's kind of worked out it is it is no it is um and i still think we're all sitting there after the japan and saudi games thinking this is it this is the time where it all goes to shit and yeah. Like big you, picture, but uh, also big picture. It felt like like big picture. It's going to shit. Like kind of mm. just 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 the sport in general. But yeah, I mean, I mean, how do you even describe what we've been through? Now, mm. look, the A League twenty twenty one twenty two was one of the worst campaigns ever. I feel like twenty two twenty three has actually been a net positive, despite the Melbourne Derby drama. And when you when you think about that for just a split second, and then compare it with. The, the the positives that have been going on from a football Australia, from a Socceroos, from a Matildas campaign kind of way. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we've, we've had two youth teams that have really held their own at World Cups as well. I mean, at that level, we're just we're excelling. You know, we went to an Asian Cup and produced one of our better results in over a decade. Yeah, but I mean, they should have um, got through, right? It it came down to Adrian well, we're not Segacic doing this. hitting the We're not the doing bar. this. I'm joking. I'm just poking no, no, the bear. No, no, I know. But but I'm just <laughs> saying, like, it came down to Adrian Segacic hitting the bar. Yeah. That's extremely respectable, despite what a certain Cody Ojeda thinks. And, you know, the young Matildas, even, even them going up against Brazil and Spain at a youth level where we weren't even getting the results in Asia. Mm. I mean, that was, that was back in August. But even then, we can acknowledge time and time again, we've done what we've needed to do. We're on the up. We're improving. And... 
you just have to wonder, you know, I'm getting, again, I'm getting on the broad kind of side of it here. Yeah. But you have to wonder how how the introduction of a national cup competition is helped to that. And I know it's, it's, I'm just, I'm picking up something really random there, but that is the, random. Yeah. It, it feels like, it feels like we actually need to acknowledge some of the steps that were put into football in a national sense, dating from like sort of 2015 onwards that maybe have actually contributed to this kind of stuff in some way. Well, I, I said don't this, know, but I, I can't remember. I can't remember when it was. It might've been, it actually might've been when we were doing the pod, uh, when the squad was announced for the world cup, when we did that uh, big pod where we did, you know, examine the squad. And I, I think I remember saying, look, you know, and we were, we were pretty down about the squad. We were kind of like, you know, is this, it's maybe slightly better than 2018 and this sort of thing. But I remember saying at the time, just, just wait, just wait, because you still got a lot of young guys in here and you still got this squad come 2026 cycle could be much better. And now we're looking at it and you're thinking, I mean, and these two guys I want to talk about in a moment. I mean, Irin Kunda and, and Garen Kowal, like they're coming through, but more to the point, like it's like rather McGree's now, you know, he's taking off, you know, uh, Connor Metcalf looks like he's taking off, for example. And it's kind of, there's just more guys in Europe. There's more, I, I think I said that at the time as well. There's more guys in Europe, number one, there's that too. And that means, you know, what's important is that you have to have the greater the talent pool that's out there, then more likely you're going to get 11 great ones to come out of it. And the the thing is, I think that's slowly happening now. Um, and Matt, it could be a bunch of factors. Like you've mentioned there, maybe it is a National Cup competition. Maybe it's, um, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I don't know necessarily uh, off the top of my head trying to trying to pinpoint some actual specific things, but there could be a host of things that were done. You know, I have seven, an idea. yeah, yeah. Um, if you were to think of the Socceroos post Asian Cup win, uh, the reference to 2015 mm. in place for that reason, the recruitment of Alexander Robertson. Now, mm. would that have happened prior to a Russia World Cup? Would that have happened post an Asian Cup win? No. He probably would have been inclined to go and play the UEFA Nations League with Scotland. He would have been inclined to, dare I say it, go to Peru on his mother's side and go play South American mm. football. Um, the the Englishman Brereton, who plays for Chile, is a direct example. Alexander why, Robertson. Why, why do a, Peru and Australia just keep getting linked in conversation? Yeah, it's 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 the rivalry of of it's the rivalry of of the future. Basically, we oh, had no. Uruguay in the mid two thousands. I don't know. Peru, no. Peru's Peru's the opponent that we want to be facing. Um, hopefully as a Copa America invitee in, in a few years' time. Who knows? Yeah. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, Alexander Robertson. Can I can I can I just I, I want to point to his selection. Just as a little a big, tangent. Big little point. little sneaky tangent. Yep. Yeah, why not? Um not only would that have not happened five, ten years ago, but his ability for his whole announcement around I am I gonna pick England, am I gonna pick Scotland, am I gonna pick Peru? No, do you know what? I'm going to pick Australia. Mm-hmm. Why did that not get as much mainstream mainstream coverage as we maybe would have thought? Yeah, no, it's a good point. And uh, I can say this, Arnold did mention in his press conference that it's a good chance, quote, good chance that Robertson and Jordan Boss could could debut um in the in the game tonight as well. So so is that too? Um no, I, I agree. I think even the other thing like Harry Suter, how much pride he takes in playing for the shirt. You know, Jason Cummings is another one. You know, I guess there, there's a sense of, I get a sense of these guys really want to play for Arnie. There's that too. I think, you know, he's definitely got the team, you know, with him on his back going through, going through everything. Um, but, yeah, dare say that. Yeah. Dare say that eight years ago when he was attacking Adam Peacock on Fox Sports. This is the guy who all the big hitters in Australian football want to play for. It's incredible. The rise is incredible. Yeah, 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 yeah. I gotta say, it is slightly amusing seeing um him and Adam be quite on a very good conversational um 
you know, basis in press conferences. Uh, and every time they are, and Adam asks a question, I think of that moment um, six years ago. But uh, yeah, yeah, it, it's yeah, it, it's it's strange how things uh, how things can change. But I think the other thing as well that I want to mention about this whole this A League Socceroos thing I was talking about is maybe as well the A League has inadvertently influenced the interest in the Socceroos by actually having more guys in the Socceroos who are produced by the A League. You know, I, think, the, I think from yeah. a South Australian perspective, with the likes of Craig Goodman being yeah. front and centre, you are witnessing that a lot. I can tell you in WA, sure. no one looks at Adam Taggart and goes, oh, yeah, he played for the soccer roots. Well, they look at him and go, hey, he played for Jundalup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, you know, the, the, there's not that engagement on that level, yeah. but you can see it very directly with the big hitters. And and look, people people hear Garen Qual's name, people hear, you know, Cammy Devlin's name, and they know who these people are. Was that was that happening with the previous generation? You know, were, were people looking around saying, "Oh, Jason Davidson, that left back that plays for Huddersfield." Yeah, we know who he is. No, they weren't. They weren't. So there has been a direct improvement with how football as a sport engages with mainstream culture. And if we're being honest, it's thanks to what happened in Qatar. Like, let's let's just let's just be frank about it. The Socceroos having one good run has revolutionised the way that the Socceroos and how football as a sport are viewed, and that's. That's exactly what we fight for on the weekly. You know, it's exactly what we want to see happen in this country. So, yeah, full, full credit to what's going on. But, you know, I, I think this period in our history is just so bizarre because it's it's an upturn in the fortunes of football as a sport. Mm. But for our own domestic professional product, there's a lot there's a lot more to gain from. And I think the A League hasn't been in this history to, in this in this spot any time in history. You look at when the A League was first introduced. You look at that kind of South Africa World Cup period where we had a lot going for us, but we didn't get the full product. The disparity as a point to, to sort of bring it full circle a little bit, the disparity has never been this true on a cultural sense before, because even when the Socceroos were going through some really sort of well-followed periods in the 2010s, that's when the A-League was experiencing a rise as well. So mm -hmm. never has the A-League been on the downturn, but the Socceroos been on the rise. And I yeah, think that's what yeah. brings this conversation up. Yeah. That, that's right. That's right. Um, but I also just think there's some guys who are just a bit more relatable, maybe for for fans as well. Like even like you know everyone. I mean, Antonis has talked about this when he comes on the pod. But like everyone wants to see Nesta succeed. Everyone wants to see Garang succeed. You know, um, and I'm not saying I'm not saying and and you know I'm probably too young to talk in this way anyway about about the Socceroos of you know the 2010s, 2006s. But I, I just I don't know if there was that same kind of maybe it's because the maybe the audience has changed. Maybe it's more guys like me and you who are who are a bit younger and kind yeah. of can maybe yeah. maybe it's a bit of that you know um, i think i think the kind of middle-aged english dad of a young child who mm. would have a foxtel subscription back in the day and watch heaps of soccer with his kid was very much the mold of who was interested and who was engaged now mm. as people who as a generation of people that have access to everything like we can you know from from when we were 12 we had our own tiny little brick smartphones and we were we were googling things about about the world and learning about the world and i think that that sport is a big part of that and i think that when you're it's far easier as someone that's growing up to be interconnected whereas back in the day you know regardless of of what your interests were if you had someone in your sort of direct family household the old English dad is a direct example, being obsessed with kind of football, watching the A-League, watching the Prem together on Foxdale. It's a different type of engagement and it's a different type of understanding. That's why the likes of your Garang Qualls are a lot more famous than, say, 
your Scott McDonald who was bagging goals for Celtic back in like 2008. You, you know what I mean? It's a different yeah. type of engagement in that way. So I think it's much easier to follow along and it's much easier to be proud of as an Australian as well in that, in that same sense. Yeah. It's probably the accessibility thing as well from a point of view of when these some of these guys who play in Europe go away um, and then Clubland and they're away from the national team environment. Back in the day, it wouldn't have been as easy to keep up with what's going on. I mean, now, Garen Kowal has one game where he doesn't start for hearts and it's like everyone's just getting on soccer Twitter and like, what's going yeah. on? This guy yeah, needs to play. Not, he needs to get not to mention, yeah. Not to mention, those one-off games are being shown live on Foxtel. So pe- people have... People have that engagement with it. If they have a KO subscription, they're checking out what Rangers and Celtic and Hearts were up to on the weekend. There happens to be yeah. a lot of influential Australians playing in the Scottish Prem at the moment. It's it's just a direct example yeah. of, of that that inclusion being more common than what it was previously. Can we just make sure that Paramount don't get the Scottish Prem? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but they've got Ten Play has the Saudi League. You can watch Ronaldo. Why? <laughs> That's Ten Play working hand in hand with Keep Up with the um. With the uh, Euro yeah. Euro snobbery, um, yeah. but yeah, the the uh, the dad example used there before was a little bit too close to home. Um, so so yeah, but but I'm not going to deny that. That's that's definitely true. <laughs> um, anyway, anything anything else you wanted to add on this? Because then maybe we can we might actually jump in a little bit early to talk about the on pitch stuff. No, no, you're you're more than welcome to go ahead. Um, I think from a from a cultural perspective and from a home hitting football fan perspective, I think um, yeah positive vibes and lots of banter on our end so go ahead christian yeah, it's just it's just good vibes socceroos at the moment and uh yeah i'll be i'll be making sure i watch every single ball that's kicked uh over this uh over this two game series that's for sure um okay when was the last time you felt like that actually Let that, me but that, that's that. what i mean um i mean even like you want to you want to go back to the qualifying campaign for for um for 2022 i mean you know in the past you you try and yeah you know, even with the with the kickoff times at times, if they're one AMs, two AMs, whatever. Uh, obviously, for you, that's that's probably not a problem in those instances. But um, <laughs> over over here in the normal time zones, um, it is. And uh, you, you're probably kind of thinking, ah, oh, geez, you know, got to go up for this, whatever. But it felt at times in that campaign where it was just kind of like, do I really have to get up for this? You know, do we really have to set through this? It's going to be a turgid performance. We'll probably eke yeah. out a one nil, or or we'll draw, or something like that. Um, whereas, you know, probably in the past it was more, well, you know, come on, we've got to watch the national team, you know, get up for it sort of thing. So it, that's, that's probably changed. And I'm hoping, you know, coming into, coming into the Asian cup for sure. Uh, and coming into the next qualifying campaign that that's going to kind of go back to the norm of what it was before. Yeah. I, and, and, you know, again, I think that if you were to, to just think about your life and your life as a football fan. You, you only ever really recall feeling that buzz for the Socceroos in the time between 2006 and about 2011. Mm. And, I, and I think that that's actually quite a fair statement to make in that it's been a really long journey home. But again, that, that buzz has manifested itself. And we're not exactly complaining about it, that, that we feel this warm to see. I mean, I remember just prior to Russia, if you recall, we actually had some really, really good results. We thrashed the Czech Republic 4-0 we played against Columbia at Craven Cottage, a fixture no one could possibly remember. Danny Vukovic. Danny Vukovic got a penalty save against Columbia and it was a nil-nil draw. And you just kind of had this vibe where it's like, why doesn't Australia see this? Why are people not waking up in the mm. morning, seeing mm. this result and being really proud of it? And what's crazy is that now it's just like, oh, yeah, we, we, we're playing Ecuador, who are a very solid opponent, but, you know, not exactly a squad littered with big names. And people care. 
people people care on a mm. level that you just don't remember them caring about it and being engaged with it. So it's crazy how how things can change in that way. Yeah, no, uh, I, I totally agree. I mean, if you wanted to kind of go back from from my personal perspective, I think the last time the the one time I can really fondly remember as, as a young, uh, you know when I was younger being really passionate about soccer was the was the twenty eleven Asian Cup run. Um, and the games were always they were they were at good times as well. There was that too. Um, and Asia, right? no, no, twenty eleven was Qatar. Yeah, yeah, but but some of the games I can't remember off the top of my head, but I remember some of the games being at really good times, and we absolutely thrashed Uzbekistan as well, uh, which is a game which really springs to mind. That well, did it. What's the that? Under 20s couldn't get it done. No, I know <laughs> and, that. And that just brought up. That just brought up some some PTSD. We, we uh, have some history against Uzbekistan. That's a weird. I know. One. I know. Weird it's one. it's it's a bit of a weird kind of soccer. Has got weird rivalries everywhere. Um, but you know the that one kind of springs to mind. And then 2015 was kind of if you want to look at the 2015 Asian Cup. I mean that was kind of you have to like you know how can you not get up for it? it it's right in your backyard, right? So that one it's kind of like it's hard to kind of put it in there. Obviously, twenty fourteen was 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 big as well. With, with yeah, Brazil, yeah. 20, 2015 stands out in, as an anomaly, and that I think it touched mainstream culture. But it yeah. only touched mainstream culture in the sense that they all understood that we won something really big, and then they yeah. didn't quite engage with it. Didn't really, way. Ange, yeah. And just gone on the record as saying that the twenty fifteen Asian Cup didn't have the impact that even he mm. foresaw and wanted, mm. but people still engaged with it in a way that they didn't previously. So, yeah. 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 Nah, for sure. All right. Um, but, but the main consensus here is that I think we're both pretty pumped. So um, looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, let, let's talk, I guess, um, for about 20 minutes or so about kind of the, the squad on pitch, what, 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 you know, we can expect to, to see. So like I mentioned before, yeah, Alex Robertson, Jordan Boss, good chance to make their debuts, apparently. Now, the other uh, interesting part from the press conference today was that Rene Muhlenstein, uh, is actually signed on for for another cycle, um, which is which is a uh, which is probably a big piece of news and quite underrated piece of news because him working alongside Arnie has has really worked well for the for the setup. He's always been someone that I think was an extension of, you know, like here's this sort of big money recruit from Europe. How can he help our football teams develop? And I think what's crazy about Rennie is that he's probably looked around, saw the Qatar World Cup coming up, and thought. Now's probably my time to to leave the cycle, maybe try and get a domestic job in the Netherlands or something mm. like that. The World Cup result is just, again, we have to say it, the manifestation of how well we did in the results wants to keep someone like Rennie Mullenstein engaged with with football on an international level. And it's just another one of those things where he he looks around, he sees the history of, of the Dutch management we had, why it didn't work. Mm. He sees someone like Graham Arnold for whatever reason, he really, really engages with Graham Arnold and his coaching style. He sees the talent like Sutar playing in the Premier League. He sees this, the talent like Robinson coming from Europe. And you just have to look at it and you have to respect what's going on. You see yeah. the likes of Devlin. You see the likes of Quall. You see the likes of Viren Kunda. Metcalf, you know, Atkinson, all these young guys who are on the periphery of being really solid players in Europe and really forging a way forward for the Socceroos. Mm. Why, why would you want to leave? What, no, no. no. I mean, the only thing see. the only thing you think is for his personal ambitions. I mean, he's worked with Sir Alex. He's he's you know now been a part of a successful World Cup campaign. I mean, he, he for sure could go out on his own and try and be successful. And he probably he probably would be uh, have, definitely have some success. Um, but I, I mean, you're totally spot on. I think that th- this environment is is just just it's just humming on on such a great level at the moment. The key is how do we get that that 
you know, that hype and that buzz that's happening around this this one team to to you know extend and go beyond that uh, to to really everything else that's surrounding the game uh, at the moment because because there is so much more going on and, and I think that's that's the real challenge that we got to, to get really big picture now uh, is you know even even things like you know getting out to local NPL games and stuff like that having that same passion that you bring to the ruse table and bring it to to the other facets but that is that is such a big challenge. It is, um, and. You know the the main corporate in this conversation. If we're if we're being honest, it's Danny Townsend and the APL. They've they've missed the mark in engaging in that same way. Now, look, dare I say it? If David Gallup, a David Gallup like character, someone like Gregory Rock, who I've always massively respected, if if a corporate figurehead was there and it was still the FA running the A League, would we be engaging in the same way? I still want to say no. But I want to pose the question, and dare we? Do you almost feel, th- sorry. This brings up an interesting point. Yeah, do you yeah. almost feel like because because we got we got plenty of time. We can discuss a little bit further. Um, do you feel like almost some people might be gravitating more to the Socceroos as a kind of as a kind of way of telling the APL that we don't want to maybe engage in your league anymore, and we want to engage with the national teams? I don't not not in that sense, but they just kind of. Uh, Maybe going out of their way to make sure that they're, they're you know, really trying to engage with the Socceroos and, and not so much with the A League. No, uh, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Most of the demographic that we're talking about are really sports mad people mm-hmm. and not uh, football people. I think football people, you have like the boycotters and the ultras and all those kinds of people. I mean, they they're they're going to probably stay up late and watch a game on Channel Ten regardless, right? So, who, who cares? <laughs> Um, you know, their their qualms with the APL is something completely separate, in my honest opinion. Um, I just think that the mainstream sports fan is in a position where they see how incredibly attractive the Socceroos and the Socceroos future is, and they can't get excited in the A-League because the A-League is only presenting an aura of this is the stale, boring A-League. And it just it just needs to find a way to move on beyond that in some way. I don't know what the fix is. Maybe the fix is having. Can I ask you this? Put on your put on your media marketing cap right now. What what would have been your first kind of moves after what was happening in the World Cup if you're if you're at the APL? I think reiterating time and time again, and to be fair, keep up in the APL have tried yeah. this in their marketing. Yeah. I know, but they've tried time and time again to say you do realize that the overwhelming majority of those players actually played in this league, right? Yep. But find a way that it's not being plastered on keep up in football circles. Find a way that it's being plastered in mainstream news. Or even physically out in public is, is the other yeah. thing, which would have been great. Yeah. 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 To- totally agree. Totally agree. I do think there is maybe a slight issue with with a lot of A-League hype and a lot of the keep up stuff being very in-house and kind of very much for the for the you and me, the very much, you know, avid, gonna gonna definitely click on it every day and read it, uh, this sort of thing. But as a caveat, I'm not a marketing professional. I'm not an expert. Um, of course, I do this, but you know, doesn't doesn't yeah, mean. Gregor Rourke, as I said, Gregor yeah. Rourke was someone that I massively respected in the game. He two shout outs for Gregor Rourke in the space yeah. of five minutes. Yeah, well, he's 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 going to resign soon, right? So that's yeah. why I'm mentioning him so strongly. He came from PepsiCo, man. He came from fucking PepsiCo. You, <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, yeah, you need <laughs> you need someone who has that marketing brain. Mm. No, no, no. That 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 is true. That is true. Um, there, there I say, if, if Gregor Rourke stayed on for like another year or so, and then and then Pepsi became like some major sponsor of the A leagues, that would have been that would have been interesting. Um, but 
we've got we've got a bit of time uh, to talk about the on pitch, like like I was saying. Um, we've tried to, to, to talk about. Tried to get to it like two or three. I know we we have tried to get to it, but then like you know, my mind just goes everywhere, and I'm like, oh, here's yeah. a new point that we can discuss on the uh, on the debate. So anyway, um, two guys I want to really discuss uh, to start off with Jackson Irvine and Connor Metcalf because their form um for St. Pauli of late has been fantastic. And if we're looking at season stats, so Irvine, uh, 26 appearances, seven goals and one assist. Metcalf, 22 appearances, three goals, two assists. That's just looking at the raw numbers from a goals assist standpoint. But definitely Metcalf has started slower than he came up, than he just come along in recent weeks in particular. Now he's basically the main fixture. And Irvine, I mean, I think you mentioned this before, someone who perfectly suits that club in St. Pauli. Um, and there was a great I think, feature from Vince Rigari uh, that he did, kind of talking about that as well with an, uh, with an interview with, with Irvine. So, yeah. Basically, these two are humming, and uh, I dare I say, I think they're going to feature heavily uh, across both these games. Yes. Um, look, let me, I hate to do this, but I believe it is not Saint Pally. I believe it is Sankt Pally. I believe it's a native German term. Okay. Um, let me for, just, uh, yeah. just let me just take a break in the podcast, and uh, I'll just go write that into my freaking German vocabulary <laughs> book. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, one that you might want to get your head around. But um, look, yeah, again, a, a, such a, a socially progressive club and one that Jackson has settled into to a T to the point where, if I'm not mistaken, he's actually been named vice-captain a few times and could potentially be wearing the armband for that club in a few years. Connor, mm-hmm. Connor Metcalf is such an intriguing one, though. Is he is he the progressive inner Melbourne boy that none of us really knew he was? I, I, I don't know. But I, look, not, not on the social side of it as much. Um, he, is, he is taken to playing in Europe like a duck takes to water. And for someone, again, that was in, that was a, an important cog in the wheel in such a big, dominant Melbourne City side, he chose to move at the right time, that being the time that Patrick Isnorbo and the whole operation kind of moved and had its had its in-between period yeah. as well, right? So, yeah, yeah for, for him to, um, to be playing and playing his trade in Europe, very, very important. Probably in the long term, I could see him being, um, you know, uh, at the level of sort of playing for a big Scottish Prem club, he seems like a a Celtic Rangers long term career kind of guy. Um, well, is I, that? I don't. Does I don't he, yeah, I'm just saying because he because he's now he's 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 playing very well for a team which is you know pushing for promotion to the Bundesliga. So that is was he, the other point I had to yeah, make though. Yeah, they were quite devastated that they didn't get that they didn't get directly promoted or mm. promoted through the playoff in Germany last season. Mm. The fact that they're playing in the Bundesliga two again, regardless of how well they're playing, it's actually a huge disappointment, and it's probably the reason why someone like Conor McCarthy has got a start ahead of you know a really um really you know integral and important German or Norwegian or Danish midfielder who would have otherwise occupied that position. That's that's just that's the caveat with it all. But also the reason I say that is. Look, and call me cynical, but I don't necessarily see Connor as the type of player who really gets to go to a big club. And I don't know why I'm making this example. He's not even Australian, for good to say. But Sarpreet Singh, there's a reason why Sarpreet Singh hasn't actually bedded down in the culture at Bayern Munich. It's just because the, the place... Is Sarpreet Singh still at Bayern? Where, where is that guy anyway? Well, he's playing, I believe he's playing three-liga for on loan. Yeah. Or something like something, something to that effect. And I think that your issue is that if Connor puts himself in that situation too soon... He's gonna actually be in that sticky period where you're with a, be with a big enough club, but you're not playing any football. Do you know who went through that? Jacob uh, Brustich. Oh, and, and Hayden, Hayden just... Brustich is one of those <laughs> yeah. guys where, again, he's got the talent, but he just found himself at the wrong time, wrong place, wrong time. And I'm scared that that could happen for Connor in the future because, again, if they get promotion, where are they going? They're going to recruit uh, an important, you know, they're going to recruit these European players. 
So does Connor really fit into that? I don't know. That's where the caveat was with him. With Jackson, you know, you, 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 it speaks for itself. He is a very, very solid player. There is a reason Giroud took his jersey and not the cum dogs, right? Like he, there's <laughs> there's respect there. There's mutual respect there. Yeah. And he's always going to be an important cog in the wheel. So is Aaron Moy. How is, by the way, Aaron Moy was. Uh, I was just, uh, just, just before we get to Aaron Moy, because I yeah, don't yeah, want to yeah. discuss him. Yeah. Um, when you were talking about the third league stuff, it actually, like Christian Theoharis and Jacob Taliano both came into my head. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> just, just Jacob, around like Jacob's moving playing to a lot of too early. Yeah. Jacob is playing a lot of football for the Mercedes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Borussia, Munchen Gladbach, second 11. He is. So there's, there's promising signs there. But yeah, you bring those, you bring those names up. Um, Aaron Moy, I just want to say this. Mm. He was originally a bench player. He came in when uh, Callum McGregor was. Do, do you know Aaron Moy's? Do you know Aaron Moy's goals and assists this season? It, it's actually going to blow your eyebrows off. Well, when it'll I say blow this. everyone's mind, but feel free. He in thirty-seven appearances. So, by the way, he's actually ended up making thirty-seven appearances, despite you know at the start maybe well, not that, taking a while. That's to bet what in. I was going to get to. but yeah. that's all right, mate. No, sorry, sorry, but just because uh, these stats, are, I've been wanting to say this on the podcast all day. He's got seven goals and ten assists as a midfielder. Seventeen goals and assists in thirty-seven games for Aaron Moy. Raw numbers. Mm. Just just looking at that, I mean, it's absolutely mm. incredible. And when you watch them, and when you watch the highlights back, if you can't watch Celtic games, whatever. It's it's just mind-blowing how much he's, – he's just one of the best three players on the pitch every single game. And it's interesting because, again, he was he was supposed to be an impact sub. He was someone that was – Ange was just going to use him every now and then. Callum McGregor got injured. He came in as a direct, direct player for um, Callum McGregor in the attacking midfield when Aaron hasn't been an attacking midfielder since he was playing with the Wanderers 11 years ago. You know, you know what I mean? He just came in and he took, he took, he took to the position very well. And then when Callum – you know, captain of Scotland, for goodness sake, came back into the team. It was like, well, we don't want to take Moy out. So where else can we utilize Moy? And that's where he directly came in as the, as the deep lying midfielder, mm. exactly what he's been doing his whole career. And it was like, damn, this guy can play. And the thing is, <laughs> Celtic being Celtic, you're going to be winning games 4-5-0 on the regular, right? You're going to be playing cup games against a lower athlete. You mean, you mean Ange Postacoglu Celtic being Ange Postacoglu Celtic? Yeah. Exactly, and they're gonna they're gonna stamp down and win those games, and that's mm. why Aaron Moy has been suited to a system where he can play well and he can have that freedom. They just needed to find a way to fit him in the team, and you know, God bless Callum McGregor and the injury that he suffered. It's helped Australian football in a really massive <laughs> way. And uh, you know, sorry we took sorry we took John Sutar's brother. You know, sorry we took Jason Cummings, a beloved domestic footballer, but like. Thank you, Callum McGregor, for getting in. It's it actually it's an interesting really piece. Mentioning keep up and stuff, there was an interesting piece uh, this week on Jason Cummings' a Scottish perspective on kind of how they're viewing him now and stuff. And that was that was just kind of interesting to see, like th- this guy who they basically were saying was basically a bit of a dropkick back in Scotland, and now it's kind of like, oh, you know, he's just kind of reinvented himself completely uh, in, in Australia, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it's 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 nice to see that Scotland have gone from. Do you, do you remember the, the the pop piece I wrote on, wrote on uh, Celtic for FBF? And I was yeah. talking about how prior to the 2019 Asian Cup, they bagged the shit out of Australian football before Tom Rogic went. Only four years later, we're sitting here. The Scottish perspective on Australian football has improved a lot. And this speaks to why the FA and the Socceroos' success is so important. People overseas see us and they care and they, and they understand mm. a lot more about what we go through and what's unique to us. And it didn't exist before. So that's where the, the Scottish perspective is really, really important and really, really valuable. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, and dare I say, it probably would have contributed to, you know, Suta and Cummings deciding, you know, to, to, to jump Robinson. ship. 
and, and Alex Robertson. Yeah, of course, as well. So speaking of that, because I know you're pretty close to guys who follow Celtic and stuff. So like, what's what's the feeling, I guess, around Moy, one? And then another guy I want to mention who's come in, and I know these guys might be Celtic guys, but Ryan Strain's come in um, as as that replacement, which is a great story. Uh, he's he's hailing from from the Mobbery Jets here in SA, um, and uh, and they, they they absolutely love it. The fact that he's that he's now a uh, you know a national rep- representative, uh, it's it's fantastic. But kind of what's what's the talk, I guess, around this whole you know what what you've maybe heard like talking to fans and stuff about like just the general A League influence in Scotland, and then I guess maybe just Moy as well. Yeah, um, Strain, Ryan Strain, and uh, and Bacchus. They, they. I don't know if they got us. They scored or got an assist when St Mirren shockingly beat Celtic two 0 uh, uh, If I if I, can't, if I remember correctly, no, no, Keanu Bacchus didn't score in that game, but I'm pretty sure Ryan Strain got an assist. Yes, sure something, something of that ilk happened. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I can remember a few a few Celtic fans reaching out to me and being like, "Who are these blokes? You're you're the A League man. Who are these blokes?" <laughs> so yeah, you do you do get a lot of that. Uh, I think the Moy perspective I've said enough on someone like Ryan Strain. I mean, again, it's just one of those it's just one of those things where like he he spent his whole career with Adelaide. Correct me if I'm wrong. He's technically spent a lot of his career under the English flag, technically qualifying as like a pseudo visa player, and he had that he had that whole drama come up. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. His, his I, look, I'll be honest. I don't know the ins and outs of all of it, but there yeah. was there was an element of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's spent um, a very interesting part of his career sort of being the, the humble giant and being the one to project himself up when very few people um, sort of expected it and saw it coming. And I think he's exactly in the same mold as someone like a, a Conor Metcalf or someone, uh, you know, I'm, I'm struggling for names now, but a lot of these players in, in years gone by, I don't know, this is a weird one, but someone like Vinnie Grella, where like they're, they're part of a far, far bigger system and a far more important cog in the wheel. You mm. struggle to recognize and acknowledge who they are, but every time you sort of see them play and you see them for the individual you are, you can't help but really, really respect what's going on there. And I don't know if by saying that I'm putting a bit of Vinny Bellis now, but he just, he always stood out as one of the players in the golden generation where it was like, you know, we barely understand who you are. Kind of thing. Yeah. No, um, it was one of the ones that got very few recognition. Yeah, well, it's it's probably one of these things where Strain. I mean, if you go back to his Adelaide days, he kind of peaked later in his career. There's that too. Um, but when he was when he was really at the peak of his powers before he moved, I mean, he was he was excellent. Oh, I thought he's absolutely fantastic. Uh, one of the best right backs in the league at the time. Josh Risden was playing very well too. But um, you know, it, it's it's interesting because there are these guys who once you get them, once they play a role in a team they kind of become lost in it. But then when you get them out of that role and into another team, they can be a bit more, you know, prominent. Then you get to see what they can actually do. And I think Strain, towards the end in Adelaide, he started to get appreciated more of what he was doing, uh, particularly in an attacking sense, when really for most of his spell, it felt like he was kind of just flying under the radar and just doing his job. But, you know, the, the clubs in Europe, they notice that. You know, they've got they've got smart scouting. You know, they're not dumb. They're not going to just kind of think, oh, well, you know, just because he's not assisting every week, you know, doesn't you know, doesn't mean he's not good enough. Of course not. So, you know, you do you do the things well, you do the basic things well, and and that thing that stuff gets uh, that stuff gets noticed. So um yeah, um, okay. Well, I'll just give everyone some details just in case uh, everyone's not familiar in terms of telecast for the game. So uh, it's actually it actually is a weird one uh, for tonight because you've got in Sydney and Melbourne, the game's on the main channel, channel 10. 
10 bold in Adelaide, Brisbane, and Perth. And then, of course, it's also on 10 play in Paramount+. Plus. Uh, and then the game next Tuesday, uh, which we'll probably review uh, both of the games next week on the pod as well. No Sunday night pod, uh, if in case you're wondering as well. Uh, all uh, the game is going to be on 10 bold, 10 play, and Paramount+. Plus. Uh, the game next Tuesday. So uh, that's if you're wondering about kind of telecast information. Um, so yeah, basically it's going to be on free to wear. So um, yeah, is the main is the main kind of uh, takeaway. So um, yeah, kind uh, of last kind of question for you. What's the what's the ideal coming out of both of these games? What's the ideal, um, I guess, best case scenario? You know, not not in terms of results. I'm talking in terms of you know coming out of it thinking oh it's great that this happened or you know that 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 sort of thing i think it's important to understand who ecuador uh, are as a football team right so this was a team that in my opinion probably not in the opinion of most people but in my opinion overperformed at the world cup made a very good account of themselves shocked a lot of the south american qualifying group as well to be able to, to be able to get through in the fashion that they did and i think all of that being put together with who the team is um, we're up against quite a formidable opponent and one that we should be fearful of, but one that we understand we can beat as well. And to reference that that nil-nil with Colombia at Craven Cottage, when we play a South American opponent on their day, um, it can be it can be one to really, really look forward to. And I think what's important is understanding the individual contributions and understanding how the stock rules can improve and blood in more youth, but also understanding that if we win these games, we're making a statement as well. And that's something that is really really important in our own backyard yeah i agree i think it's a really good litmus test um as kind of a first game back uh for for the socceroos all right matt um top stuff and uh if you haven't checked out already go check out matt and cody's uh latest front page dub episode that went up earlier today uh or yesterday again i gotta remember what time this freaking podcast is getting released <laughs> um so go and check that out um and uh, yeah we're going to take a break on the other side jeremy mcgahn is going to join me and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the upcoming season in canberra okay jeremy mcgahn joins me now uh to discuss all things football in canberra that's right yeah we're definitely going a bit more left field uh tonight on the pod because because we've actually got and I can exclusively reveal, FPF exclusive, that we've got a new podcast coming and Jeremy will be hosting it and it's going to be about all things football in Canberra. Um, so, yeah, really looking forward to this. It's going to be released kind of once every few weeks, um, just giving everyone kind of an update on what's happening over there. At FPF, we really think this is important. We really think it's important to really engage everything that's happening across the across the country in terms of football. And that's what we're going to be hoping to doing going forward. And Jeremy is going to join me now to talk a little bit about it. Jeremy, welcome to the pod. It's been a while, I think, since you've been on since you've been on the pod, and uh, just give us give us a bit of a give us a bit of a update into what's what's going on. What what can we expect from the pod? Yeah, thanks for having me, Christian, and, and glad to be to be back on the pod. Yeah, it has been a minute, but you know you know my love for uh, doing podcasts and hosting podcasts. Yeah. So uh, so very happy that we get to talk a bit more about football in the capital. Uh, as you know, as as you know, and some of the listeners maybe don't, uh, I am in Canberra and and I'm part of the um, commentary team with with capital football uh, with Russ Gibbs mainly and, and Frank Kasha as well and Matt Nicoletti and so uh, we're covering um, an NPL every weekend uh, and so you know we thought we're, we're pretty well placed to be able to talk about what's going on in, well, yeah, in football yeah. in Canberra <laughs> so so we'll uh, 
uh, you know, if, if you'll have us, we'll talk about it as much as we can. So we'll have uh, an episode once a month, as you said, or whenever there's something that's uh, notable and it's been a, a busy summer in, in Canberra. So the, the intro pod will be with Russ Gibbs, uh, who is who's the lead commentator of Anything NPL, who's actually also the, the, the lead uh, marketing and communicate communication for capital football. Russ, uh, and Frank uh, Russ also, he does commentate A-League Women games as well. So uh, you yeah, can catch true. him on there. Yeah, exactly. And he's commented the Matildas a couple of times last year and, and, and you know, we'll probably see him doing some other tournaments maybe this year or next. So he he knows what he's doing in, in the commentary world. Uh, and uh, our first guest for the episode will also be Frank Kasha, who is a bit of a legend down here in the capital, a, a coach uh, who's been coaching Camera Olympic back when they made it to the semi-final of the um, then FFA Cup in uh, in 2018. And last year, he was with the Monaro Panthers when they lost to Sydney United in the round of uh, 32 of um, the Australia Cup now. So so we're, we're pretty excited to talk about this. And like I said, a busy summer between, of course, the news a couple of weeks ago uh, of a potential expansion of the A-League men and Canberra being selected as one of the two cities. And of course, the uh, expression of interest for the National Second Division. A few of our youth here in, in Canberra has also joined the rank uh, of the Central Coast Mariners following mm. a uh, an all-star capital football versus uh, Mariners game uh, l- last year at the end of the season. So so a lot of exciting stuff have, have happened on the on the summer and we're going to to try and discuss it all while previewing the NPL season as well. Uh, yeah. and, and then every month we'll just touch base on what's going on basically in the capital. Absolutely. Yep. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about that expansion stuff um, because it, it is, you're right, it's the hot topic in Canberra at the moment for sure. Um, give us, you know, because you're you're over there, you're on the ground, you, you know what's kind of going on. Give us kind of a bit of an insight into into like what's what's the feel over there around this. I mean, it seems very much outside of Canberra that everyone's saying this is kind of a long time coming. They've had the they've had the women's team for quite a while. This 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 should have happened a while ago. Yeah, it's been a long time coming, and and. You know, you'd think that if there's a national competition, the capital should have a team. Uh, so there have been a few bids who try to to bring uh, national football back in Canberra. There was obviously the Canberra Cosmos back when we had the uh, the NSL, uh, but then it's it's been gone and nothing has come back um, since, since the A League has uh, has seen their birth in in 2005. Uh, so finally, uh, the APL decide to look into the the capital. Um, and and all the people that have been involved over the years trying to put forward a bid for for the A League now are being consulted to try and find mm. who's going to be the the next investor. So Michael Cajano is basically going to be the lead to try and find the new investor who's going to uh, well help us having a team uh, back in Canberra. Uh, and he's been involved in the last two attempts at getting a, a team in Canberra. Russ Gibbs was actually involved in. In one of those ones as well, and there's a few, you know, there's a few talents coming from Canberra that we know. There was, there's obviously the AIS here that has seen a lot of the players from the Golden Generation, and some of them have been pretty vocal about getting a team done in Canberra. Uh, Craig Moore, um, one of them, uh, and, and there's a, a few Canberra-based, Canberra-born players, I should say, uh, that that will also support that. So we're looking forward to seeing everybody really working together to have it. Michael Cajano has said in the previous bit that he's spoken to people with. A lot of money to come in and get a team in Canberra. You know, there's a, a fact that nobody can neglect is that's where the, the power is, that's where the parliament is. And so um, you know, it's it's a nice little way to try and get mm. people to in input some money in there to, to try and lure them with with whatever the political side 
of it would be. So that's one side of it. One side of it that we can't really neglect and and that we should discuss and we will discuss at length. I think with with us and Frank as well is as you mentioned. There's been a women's team here for a while and a women's team that has been uh, performance uh, three times premier, twice champion of yep. the league women uh since in 2009 uh and so we we need to make sure that well they're respected enough and, and there is definitely a little bit of bit of chat chat in in the capital about you know is Canberra United going to be now uh just the second club of Canberra or, or are we going to make sure that uh, things are done the right way are we going to lose altogether the colors of Canberra United uh, or are we going to do a, a main team that's going to be just adapting the the same colors, the same club, the same logo. So there, there's a bit of conversation going on with this, yeah. and I think it'll take, a, take us a while to, to know the answer. Is there, I've already seen some stuff, is there a worry that if this becomes very much under the same flag of, of, of the A-League of, of women's team, Cambria United, that um, that the resources kind of put into maybe the women's team might get kind of drained a little bit and things kind of shift a little bit more to the men's team? Because I've seen that a little bit. Um, and, you know, in a way, you'd probably understand it a little bit, but there is obviously that there's concern for for those people that have been following the A League women's team, and and you're right, who have been successful for for many years as well. It's always going to be a worry, you know. Canberra United was um, the one team in the whole competition that only had a yeah. women's team, uh, and since the times of of Heather Reid being there, um, the culture at Canberra United has always been, you know, complimented and lauded, mm-hmm. and and players would come to Canberra United. Not for the money, not for the weather, but because the team had a great culture <laughs> and, and it was a great club to play for. Um, so of course, well, when, not for the now, tourist attractions either. Or? Oh, like there's a zoo, yeah. <laughs> and, and there's a beach on the lake or something like that. Hey, Parliament House is a tourist attraction, isn't it? I know uh, there's a few French people that are cool. So you know, there's a few. No, there's a few things. Camera is actually all right. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, so so you know, that that was a real. I think that was a real uh, asset. For the team to be able to bring good players saying hey we just have a women's team you're not going to be uh you know the the, the third wheel or, or anything like that you're the the product that matter and so of course there are worries and it's a club that belongs to the federation because it belongs to capital football capital football administers um mm-hmm. Canberra united so it's also something that's unique in that sense now that the apl took over uh professional football in, in australia so is a few changes and there's a few things that play there if we keep Camera United, which is what everybody wants in the capital. We keep Camera United, we keep the colors, and we just plug in a male team to a program that is already the known. Identity. Yeah. yeah, the identity is already there. The ADA, the DNA, to use a, a term that's too used, uh, is already there as well. So you, you kind of want to use that. And, and it's it's paying respect to, to Camera United. It's been such a fantastic club. Um, so, so hopefully... It stays that way. There's no doubt that there are worries that when the men team comes in, um, there's just less love for the for the women's club. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in saying that, they've got that history. They can they can they can fall back on, and and that's that's always going to be there. It is going to be interesting, like you mentioned, around how that maybe the club is there potential for a, a potential kind of restructuring the way it operates because of the fact that you're right. It is kind of run by Capital Football. Yet now with the APL and and you know they're they're keen to get a men's team in. How's that going to kind of change? Because as we know from the board meetings that they have and all the clubs are kind of represented on there, but but Canberra aren't because and and they're kind of just sitting in on those meetings without actually having voting rights because because of the way the uh, the clubs obviously structured. So that's going to be really interesting, no doubt. Whoever's uh you know 
with with um with the uh Michael who you mentioned there as part of the uh, bid for for the men's team that they for sure want a voting right on what's going on with the league uh as as one of their main things. And, and it's a better place to be, I think, having an already structured, organized women's team and bringing the men's team than having to create a women's team from nothing just because the APL say we have to have a men's and a women's team. And then I think that's where it's hard to get the funds and the money in there. When you already have an established um, club and, and everything is already done, in, mm. in my opinion, you know, seeing the positive side of it, getting the men's team in, getting somebody to actually invest to get the men's team in, I'd hope that the women's team is actually going to beneficiate from it better um you know better training grounds better installation uh, a bit more uh, a bit more eyes on the capital a, mm-hmm. a bit more fans uh, also also hopefully and 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 a real fidelity around uh, what football is in, in the capital so i'm hoping that by bringing a men's team you actually bring more money in there and 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 more support uh, for for what the women's football is so so hopefully that's where it goes on, on the positive side all right, a couple more things, and then I want to ask you about something else, which which I didn't tell you about beforehand, but I just thought it's it's <laughs> it's important. I think we should bring it up since you're actually on the podcast. But um, give me give me thoughts for who could be the inaugural coach of the men's team potentially, and could could Tom Rogic be a marquee signing for for the Canberra men's team? Because that's been that's been floated around, and I'm just wondering if there's like a romantic romantic kind of homecoming for for Tommy. Um, I hope so. The, the the romantic upcoming for Tom Rogic, I think it would be a, a great marquee signing. I think yeah. there's a there's a few players out there that would love to be the first marquee signing of Canberra as well. I I, I do believe that there is a, a huge um, I think there's a, a huge attractivity to the Canberra market yeah, uh, okay. for a new yeah. team to come in. There's a lot of football around Canberra, the Riverina, the Southlands, uh, and the capital itself. Uh, and also, I think also, be a lot of- sorry, Jeremy, not to mention guys based in New South Wales. I mean, it's not like you know you're far away from home either. So yeah, yeah, exactly. So I do think that there is being that first guy who's going to put Canberra on the map. I think he's worth it. You know, and we've seen it with, with Mac Archer as well. When they created the team, there was a few players that were really happy to to quickly jump and try and put their, their face on the club. Uh, yeah. So I think it's an attractive market. And I and I mean, you know, what better would it be than, than having Tom Rogic there? And it'd be probably a good opportunity for him to, to put himself back on the map before the, the big tournaments uh, coming for, for the Socceroos. As far as the coach, we were actually just talking about this yeah. uh, the, the past couple of days with people in camera. And uh, I mean, you know, you kind of hope that it's someone from home you want the story of the well, I, because I was thinking up, about right? this. I was thinking about this. So, um, current coach of Canberra, Croatia, Dean Dean Grinich. Now, Dylan Dylan Bozicevic is right here at FPF. Did a did a piece recently where he looked at five NPL managers who can make the jump, and and Dean was on there. Um, so a, a guy who's had some experience in the Y League uh, when when that was up and running with with the Canberra team there. So I don't know if that's a if if they're going for the local kind of talent. There's that. Um, but yeah, who knows? Maybe they're looking. You know, there could be a potential international manager uh, on on the cards. We'll we'll wait and see, I guess. Yeah, I think it'll, it'll depend on who the investor is, right? If you get yeah. somebody who cares enough about the culture of Canberra, then they'll try and get somebody from from here. If you get somebody who just wants the bling bling, uh, mm-hmm. then then they'll have to get a name in to make sure that the name can then bring the players. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if it's a name that is either really known internationally or really known in Canberra because they need to find some sort of of federation straight away now last little bit because you've written a couple of pieces on him already on the website and i have to ask you patrick Snorbo, how long has he got at twice 
I think he's staying. I, I've, yeah. I've I kept looking at it and I kept trying to get information from it and trying to understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he might actually stay. I think they probably made peace with the fact that the team isn't good enough, but Kiss Norbo mm-hmm. is staying. The City Football Club is not run like any other um, business where it's only results that matter. Uh, we've mm-hmm. seen it with Granada uh, in, in Spain and, and we're seeing it with some of the other teams that they have. I think they wouldn't mind if Trois goes down as long as they go back up. Well, you, they you want could even go back, if you want to look at how the City Football Group operates, you could go back to Pep Guardiola's first season for Man City and say that was sackable. Um, so if you want to be that, and look, I agree with you. I think um, definitely reading the stuff that you've written on this, that I think the general consensus from their side is that, you know, we're, we're going to, if we have to take the hit and go down to to the second division and, and come back up with him, then then we'll do it. So Dare I say, though, if that does happen, I think next season he's under a lot of pressure that he probably does have to get them up straight away. Yeah, he is. And, and I guess the, the unfortunate thing in France is that the, the fans are vocal. So so right now, the fans are all complaining about... Which, fa- the... which fans aren't vocal, Jeremy? Come on. Yeah. Well, which French person, fan or not, is, is not vocal with what's <laughs> going on right now over there? Uh, so yeah, so hopefully he resists that. Right now, they, they are more after um, his boss. Uh, so hopefully he stays towards that and then with a real preseason we can see what PK can do in France yeah yeah for sure because I think look we've had some disagreements maybe on some other podcasts uh, around around some of the other guys but I, I think Kisnobo, um I was still really impressed with his body of work at Melbourne City I understand he had a really good team for sure don't, don't get me wrong but young players who came through and dare I say even in the midst of this bad run of twice, I'm sure there's probably a couple of positives to take out of it with with some guys who've done well and stuff. I'll be honest, I'm not as informed in the situation, of course, as you are. Being our being our Canberra slash French uh, football <laughs> correspondent, it's uh, I tell you, it's not a it's not a uh, it's not a uh, dynamic that uh, that you come across, I guess, every uh, every day. But uh, anyway, uh, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up. So yeah, make sure you catch that uh, coming next week, the first episode of Jeremy's Canberra Football uh, Podcast. Um, yeah, so Jeremy, just confirm that for us. Russ and Frank are going to be on the first pod. Russ Gibb and Frank, Frank Kasha, the two guests of the first pod, FPF in the capital. FPF in the capital. There's a name for you as well. A bit of a name drop. So uh, yeah, we'll have uh, we'll have a bit of a logo maybe coming out soon as well uh, for for everyone to get engaged with too. So yeah, that's that's gonna be coming out every few weeks. Um, yeah, make sure you tune in and get uh, get your Canberra football uh, fix. So um, yeah, that's gonna wrap it up for the podcast. Thanks to Matt from earlier with the Socceroos chat. Jeremy, thank you for joining me for the uh, for the Canberra chat. Front page football. Make sure you check us out on Twitter and Instagram. That's at Front PG Football. Facebook front page football, LinkedIn as well, uh, TikTok as well, and finally the website frontpagefootball.net. I think I plugged everything there. Everything's uh, all good. Yeah. But uh, yeah, thanks again, uh, Jeremy. And uh, yeah, uh, you can catch us. I think I mentioned it earlier. No, no Sunday night pod this week. So we'll be back on this feed on this podcast um, probably next Friday. Um, so reviewing these two games between the Socceroos and Ecuador. So stay tuned for that. And uh, yeah, see you soon.